Hello there, welcome to Football Anya. It's time for a podcast, Podcast Ace 2. And we are home of Dutch football, so we'll be talking today about the cup final between Ajax and Vitesse, which has just finished at the time of recording. So if you're watching along live, do, of course, comment along. If you're watching well after this and you're listening to us on YouTube, SoundCloud or iTunes, comment your thoughts on the podcast and comment your thoughts about the topics that we're talking about today. We're also going to be um, discussing who's going to maybe making the Netherlands Euro 2020 squad this summer. Um, and of course, a lot of the places are already decided, but there are a few players that are still up for grabs. Mike and I will discuss the players which may or may not make the squad. Now, um, we've got a few things also to announce before we begin. The first thing is, if you are a Netherlands fan, you are a Football Annie fan, you can still get yourself a Football Annie wristband. The YouTube description will hold the link to get one of those. But also, if you go to the Football Annie Twitter page, the link is still there to get yourself one before the competition starts. Um, and also, if you haven't already, we've been doing quite a few match reactions recently to the Netherlands games. We did one a couple to the Ajax games as well the other day um, as they went out of the Europa League. You can still go and check those out. They're over on YouTube, as well as our interview with Ajax's goalkeeper, Charlie Setford, is also available now to see on our website and on YouTube. Now, Mike, um, it's good to get you in. And we're going to be discussing plenty about the Netherlands Euro 20 squad in a little bit. But the first thing is um, the cup final has just finished between Ajax and Vitesse. Um, Ajax won 2-1. What were your thoughts on the game? Um, I, I, I found that Ajax were pretty comfortable throughout, despite having to get a last-minute winner. Yeah, I think the game started off pretty pretty excitingly. I thought Vitesse attacked at the start. Um, they had the first chance. But yeah, after... They, they scored equaliser, I thought it was just, it was all sort of one-way traffic. Ajax was so comfortable and it seemed like a matter of time before they were actually going to get the, the winner. And as soon as Vitesse went down to 10 men and, yeah, I think Vitesse were also unlucky with the, the injuries they had with Upendam to go off, Daz having to go off. Um, you can see that Tanan was also struggling as well with fitness. Um, so I think everything sort of went against them with fitness-wise and then it just became a matter of time for Ajax going to score the winner. And then, yeah, just popped up in the, the 90th minute. Um, David Nair is getting in there to to get a goal. And, yeah, Ajax Cup winners, 20th KMVP Cup for them. Um, it looks like they're going to be on course for the double because it's only going to be possibly next weekend that they seal the title as well. So hmm. they've fought back from, from getting knocked out of Europa League and they've, they've got the cup. Still a great season for them, despite going out of Europe. I'm sure they'll be pretty proud of their, their Europa League run when it comes to the end of the season. They'll look back upon it and think they did pretty well. They've had a few players out. That's why they went out against Roma over those two legs. If they had a fully fit squad, I'm sure they would have got past them. And and today's cup final, again, was was a, a bit of a struggle, more than it should have been. The Tests were a good team. But I actually have um, set up a little bit in the second half and, and put a couple of chances away, but uh, took that... That red card, I think that red card changed the game. And it was a red card for Rasmussen, did you think? It was a late tackle, yes. Yeah, so I don't think he had too much complaints about, about that one. Um, yeah, it was all the way that it was done, wasn't it? Because he yeah. had the other card and then he showed him the red card instead. Yeah. It, it's fair enough. You know, it can, it's one of these tackles that can go, go either way. And sometimes you get them, sometimes you don't. And I think this one was just, I don't think he could have much, much argument with it, to be fair. No. And after that, Vitesse had to reshuffle the pack. They had to um, put some different players in, in defence. And they ended up conceding a goal because of balls put into the box and the defence just didn't deal with it quick enough, weren't sharp enough because there weren't their regular centre-backs there 
kicking the balls away and, and, and led to a chance to Neves and he, and he scored. In the end, though, it's good to it's the two Brazilians at Ajax. They were doing really well today. Um, Neres and Anthony both had... Anthony in particular, of course, because he played the longest. He had a, he had a good game. He, he was pretty threatening off the right-hand side. But I think what Ajax fans want to see is him step it up now against like those big teams, the big opponents. And Vitesse are a good team. But you could see that the level of the opposition meant that Anthony was sort of standing out more than he had been in Europe. Yeah, I think that... For me, the, the jury is definitely out on the, the two of them. I wouldn't say that, well, Neres will take the credits today, but, you know, it's a pretty unmissable chance um, for him. So I, I can't say that we can start praising David Neres after today. But, yeah, the two of them need to step up in the, the big games. I think Anthony was good today. I think that Ravenberg as well, who got a bit of criticism after his performance in, in midweek as well, he got the opening goal. It was a great finish. I thought he was more more involved today. But, yeah, Neres against Roma was, was awful. I, I I was surprised that he wasn't the one that came off at half-time because I thought at least Anthony was a little bit threatening. Um, Neres, I thought every single time the ball came to him, he wasn't doing anything with it. So I was surprised that he stayed on the pitch for, for as long as he did. Um, and that's probably why he got dropped today and he only came on way on. He, get, he gets the winner. That's good for him. Hopefully it gives him some confidence before the end of the season. But yeah, I still stand by my comments that you know he's one of the players that's going to be leaving at the end of the season because I think that yeah, his, his enthusiasm's not really there anymore for, for Ajax. I think he wants that, that move uh, somewhere else. And I think that I think he'll get it this summer and then we might see him improving his form somewhere else next season because I just can't see it improving that greatly between now and the end of the season. Before we talk about the Netherlands US 20 squad, just a final um, touch upon the test. Uh, what did you make of them in today's cup final? I think that Thomas Lecce's really deserved that, that new contract that he's got because he's done such a great job with, with the Arnhem Club. But today, they they were just sort of sat back and camped quite a lot in, in the defensive third of the pitch. It's a shame we didn't get out anymore. shame we didn't see Asuma Tanana carry more of a threat. Uh, but what do you think for them going forward, Mike? Yeah, I think that, you know, we have to say they've had a great season reaching the cup final. They're fourth in the league. They can still reach the uh, Europa League. You've got to be disappointed today that they didn't win the, win the cup and put more of a, more of a fight in. I thought... As I said earlier on, I thought they were, were good for the first, until they, until they equalised, the first 20, 25 minutes. I thought they were, they were attacking at least, and then they seemed to just sit back. And you saw in the second half when Openda went off and Wetch turned to, to Toure instead of another striker. That was that was them sort of saying that we're going to sit back here and, and try and try and break. But without Openda there, the, the pace wasn't there to, to really hurt Ajax. So I thought that change was... A bit strange when you had a couple of strikers on the on the bench that they could have replaced defender with. They went for a more defensive midfielder, so I think that yeah, I think they went a bit too defensive in that second half. And eventually, it, you know, Ajax got a winner as they, they usually do if teams want to sit back and try and defend against them. And then everyone's you know, it's just only really going to be one winner in the end. And yeah, I think yeah. It, I have to say it was deserved for Ajax. But from now on, they've got to try and concentrate on the the fourth place, try and seal that between them and, and Feyenoord until the end of the season so yeah they got to pick themselves up there's still plenty to fight for for them getting fourth would be huge for them um, and yeah for attracting players in the summer as well I think it's going to be massive for them to get that European spot so we just need to see if they can hold on to it or if Feyenoord are going to pinch it from them and a bit of housekeeping for the OWC the European places you've got uh, the Champions League going to first and second the Europe, Europa League sort of automatic spot is now third place rather than the cup final winner because Ajax have won that now. 
And then it will be fourth place gets Europa Conference League and then the winner of the playoffs between fifth and eighth will also get the Europa League Conference League. All right, Europa La Conference League, that's the name of the competition. <laughs> Bit of a mouthful, isn't it now? Um, but I, I think that we'll see, yeah, it will be us and PSV going for that second and third place, getting a good European place. And you're going to get fourth and uh, whoever wins the playoffs going into those Europa League, Europa Conference League places that's a mouthful and we're live as well on youtube so i can't like edit that out i'm just sound like a muppet now <laughs> let's move on to the netherlands squad then the big big announcement will be coming before the end of may um frank the bird's going to make a decision he's got to take uh, a fairly small squad to the euros much anticipation is ahead with with how the netherlands can get on the group is it's it's, it's not bad it's 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 definitely achievable ukraine probably the biggest opposition there by the way, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, wow, what we're going to be doing for um, the Euros, we've got plenty coming up on the website, including we'll be having next week a preview of uh, the competition itself. And so we're going to be predicting who's going to win each group, which team is going to progress, and we'll have an ultimate winner. We've got lots of guests lined up to come on a, a podcast all at once to give their opinions on, on the different teams competing in the Euros. And we'll have, um, yeah, some obviously some discussion with, about the Netherlands in that. But discussion about the other teams in the competition too and who could win it as for the squad itself the reason why we're so pessimistic is frank de boer's making some pretty poor choices and he has been throughout he said that he picked players on merit and there's still some players in his squad that um shouldn't be in there on merit you would think so what what's your overall feeling about the squad coming up mike do you think frank de boer is still going to stick with his guns and the name that's everyone in everyone's head the elephant in the room is ryan barbell because that just shows you that he's not changing his ways. Yeah, um, I hold no hope for him changing his mind between now and uh, the Euros. I think he's pretty headstrong on, I think he said it during the international period, there's only one or two spots that are up for contention. And um, I think that you know, Bab was on that plane. I think he even scored last week for Galatasaray. And you know, if that keeps happening, then he's going to, he's definitely going to be, I think he's, he's nailed on. Um, we can all say it's baffling and then we don't understand it. And, you know, when he comes on, he offers nothing, but it's not going to change Frank de Boer's mind at, at this stage. He's got to take him. You know, he said it constantly that he's great for, for squad unity. And if that's what he wants, then, you know, Babbo's on that, that plane ahead of maybe two, three, four players that deserve it more. Um, he's hoping this doesn't come back to bite the Netherlands because, you know, they're struggling in a game against Austria, Ukraine, even the bigger teams, and he's looking at his subs bench, and he's got Ryan Babo and, and Steven Bergwijn there, whereas you know Noah Lang, uh, Val Veghorst, um, Cody Gakpo, or you know even somebody like Arnout Danjuma is is exploded in the English Championship, scoring goals for fun. You now if those players are, are left behind, and yeah, I just can't see Netherlands getting getting far. You know, bringing on Babo and, and Bergwijn is, and look, even Luke De Jong. Um, as attacking options to, to try and find a goal because these players aren't on form, especially Duke De Jong. He's not scored in his last six games for, for Sevilla. He's only started once, but because he scored in pretty much every game for the Netherlands during the international period, even though they were you know, pretty simple goals, that's going to put him on the plane. Whereas Val Vekhorst, Danjuma, Noah Lang all scored again this weekend and, and wins for their, their clubs and all look very good and on form. So... Yeah, I can't see the bird changing his mind, and I'm setting myself up for uh, an exasperated look when I actually eventually see that squad squad announcement. 
There's a lot of focus on the striking options, though, and the attacking players that Frank De will pick because the defence pretty much chooses itself, doesn't it? And there's a lot of players who should then start out of those selection. The goalkeeper's pretty set, and you wouldn't mind too much which of them plays. The midfield, stat with some quality, a couple of players who could play better at the moment, but again, kind of chooses itself. It's that front three that who plays with Memphis Depay up, up top. There's two places really up for grabs. And, and the selection that we've been having for the past year or so is not seeing too much change. And, and there's and there's genuine concerns that there's not the firepower to, to beat teams. There's a good comment though that's coming from Tommy and he says, I wish Georges Giacomakis was Dutch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think he'd be a decent option at the top at the moment. Um, but we had a comment on Twitter from Abdul saying that, that who else besides Babel should be dropped from the Euro 2020 squad? I think Cope Miner should be selected and, and he should be a starter as well for the Netherlands. For a long time, we spoke about Cope Miners as being a quality player. And we actually spoke in our last, um, I don't know if it was the last podcast, but we spoke recently, I know the two of us did, Mike, that he might be someone who, who, who maybe hasn't quite reached that top level yet and will need to go abroad and, and do that in Serie A, for example, if it's with Roma to go and prove that he can do it at that level. Is he actually ready to start games for Netherlands at the moment? Maybe not. Maybe he still la uh, lacks a little bit of concentration at key moments. No, but the key one is, is about Vekhorst. Like, how he's not been selected with the amount of goals he's been scoring in the Bundesliga. He should be almost that first name on the team sheet in terms of a striking options for Netherlands now. However, Frank Dubois is not going to pick him. And I was wondering whether it was because now we're at that stage of the, where you might not just choose someone to come into your squad. I know, he's, I know he's been selected before for Netherlands, but he's coming new into the squad. He's a different kind of striker. Have you got to play differently for him? And he's quite a big character as well. I don't know if you saw that he he appeared on German TV. I know this because it was popped onto Dutch TV. They sort of translated it. They said that he was very really critical about coronavirus and was very sceptical about the whole thing. Does that kind of personality, therefore, not great on Frank de Boer and therefore make his decision more difficult? It's it's something completely random to bring up, but might be a reason why de Boer doesn't want to pick him. He's a bit of a big personality, if you like, to just sit on the bench. Yeah, so you can say that the Vekhorst given has actually given de Boer an excuse to not pick him now because he can just come out and say, Oh, you know, you got to go with personality, you got to go with squad unity. And I think that De Jong's fits in well with the squad because he can, you might not criticise him for the comments that he made, but he might just point towards squad unity, which is why Babo keeps getting selected. Um, yeah, I think, of course, you can score as many goals as he wants, but if you, if you shoot yourself in the foot, I know, you know, free speech, you can say what you want, but, you know, mm. you can't be naive and these things affect things because you see, as soon as he said that, you know, there's plenty of comments on you know the Dutch panel shows last week saying that that's exactly the reason why he's not getting selected. It's because he he comes out with these these things, and you can say it's free speech. You can say what he wants, but it's going to have a, an impact, and it's going to give De Boer an excuse to then say, "Look, I'm going to pick De Jong because I don't want somebody coming into the the squad to disrupt it." And um, you know, we've had, I think, the Netherlands out of all the, the nations can say that they've had problems with, with squad unity at big tournaments in the past. So, yeah, he's going to try and keep it keep it metal and keep it all calm um, and not have any division. And somebody like Vekors could come in and, and cause a bit of that. So I think that De Boer, you can say that 
for non-footballing reasons, their course might not get selected, which is which is not fair because I think that when you go to a tournament, you want somebody that's informed, and if you want informed players, their course is the one. But if you also want to try and keep a, a squad unity, then, then De Boer might then just go with other choices. I don't think it's right. I think that you pick the squad on the best players that are available and try and win the tournament, not try and keep everyone happy for, for a couple of weeks. You know, you, once you get there, you know, your mind should be focused on winning the tournament and picking the best players to, to get to that final. But yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I think that Veghorst's comments kind of have shot himself in the foot a little bit. Yeah, it, it seems like that's, it's an excuse for De Boer, but it, it was it was sort of made the decision a lot easier for him that he wasn't going to pick him. There's there's more players though, surely with with a, a spot in danger. And if if I if I could just try and share my screen again, there's another thing where because we're live, I wonder whether oh that won't make me bigger. Um, whether whether this could work or not. Let's have a little look. Share screen. And if I go to Chrome tab and show the Netherlands squad from last time. Can you see that, Mike? Yeah. And and there's a lot of strikers there, a lot of four players, should I say, where their 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 spot might might be in danger. I'm looking here at um at Stephen Berkvine, who's not been informed for Spurs. We talked about Babel. Um, Stephen Burkhouse, I, I think, is now deserving of that starting spot for the Netherlands on the right side, even though he's not everyone's cup of tea. But Kevin Stengs hasn't been that great for RZ. Daniel Marlin has definitely warranted his spot. So there's, you know, De Jong, Stengs, Babel, but there's four four forwards there that could easily drop out of the squad. But how many of those do you realistically see leaving the squad, Mike? And, and who could be the replacements? You talked about Dan Juma, but is Frank de Boer seriously going to consider someone who's playing in the Championship, despite him winning Player of the Month in that league? Well, you can say Tim Krill's in the squad, and he's a Championship yeah. player. So, And, you know, mine's a team that are battling relegation in the, the Bundesliga, um, yeah, so you can't really look at that because championships are a strong league. Um, at times, I think it's it's a tough league. But you know, if Dan Juma is scoring every single week, then he, he should warrant into that mm-hmm. that conversation. Um, I don't think he will get picked, but he, he's certainly a player to keep an eye on. I think he's one that's going to get a big move in the summer, regardless of whether whether Bournemouth go up or not. Um, I think there'll be clubs looking at him as an interesting option to pick up. But for me, looking at that that squad, you know, I wouldn't take Bergwijn at the moment. Um, I wouldn't take Babel. Stengs, I would keep in there because I think he's got something a bit different. And I, I like him as a as an impact player and coming on. Um, I think he's, he can offer something. Malin, I'll definitely take. And yeah, Luke De Jong, you know, as much as we can say that we don't want Luke De Jong there or we would prefer Vekhorst, Luke De Jong's going. It's 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 nailed on. It's like Babel. He's just nailed in there because. Brandy Burke can just say, look, he's he scored three goals in the last three games. What do you want? Um, mm. So it doesn't really matter what his, his form is for Sevilla. He can come on and, and play one minute for the rest of the games for the rest of the season. He's going to be on that plane as long as he's fit. So if you look at Bergvain, if he doesn't play between now and the end of the season, and you know, Jose Mourinho is under pressure uh, at Tottenham. They're not winning games. You know, Bergvain's not even getting in the squad, let alone on the bench. So... You can't really justify picking them, um, and during the international period, you saw that because he only appeared in in one game for the last minute. So clearly, even De Boer doesn't think he's he's warranting game time. So I think that his place is the one that's definitely up, up for grabs. And um, the player that I can see getting it, although it's not going to be 
one that I'd want would be would be Quincy Promise because even during the international period, wow, Frank DeBoer constantly said, you know, Quincy Promise comes back into contention for the, the squad, and I think that again, it's he's going to pick players about squad unity, um, and I think that I can just see Promise squeaking in there if he starts scoring some goals for for Spartak, and I think he has scored a couple since he moved there. And I think I can see him getting that spot. And he is he has great friends with you know, Memphis Depay and you know, a couple of players in the, the squad. So I can see him sneaking in there if um, he does a couple of goals for, for Spartak. And uh, I don't know when you know his case is. I don't know anything about that. No, um, but if anything happens with that between now and summer, maybe that'll change. But at the moment, if he if he scores for, for Spartak, I think he's on that plane ahead of Bergwijn. And then you look at those options and... You know, it's you have to say like for a Netherlands squad at a major tournament. You know, in my lifetime, I'd say it's the weakest. Yeah, what it is, isn't it? It's not. It's not full of goals. Not full of quality. And like some of the other players. Yeah, by far the weakest front line that I've seen at a a major tournament for the Netherlands. But then you could say that Euro twenty twelve failed when they had great players. You know, you know they've not won anything since eighty eight. So. Maybe this is what they need. They need a, a squad that's united and with no star men. Maybe they don't need a, a big personality like a Van Persie or something like that up front. It's just going to be a team working for each other. And, you know, if De Beer can get that, then you never know how, how far this team can go. But, yeah, looking at it on paper, you're, you're looking at it and saying that that front line's a, a big worry. Maybe that's what Frank Vogt wants and he wants squad unity. And it, and it, it could work for him. The only player, though, that I thought you were lining up to say before you said Quinta Premers, Mike, was, was Cody Capbo. Because he's been playing quite well for PSV. And I was thinking, oh, he's going to talk about Cody Capbo now. And he didn't bring him up. Uh, why is that? Is that just because you don't you don't see De Boer choosing him? You've got to bear in mind that, that, that Stengs hasn't, has been um, not, not hitting the same heights as Gakpo. Gakpo's back from injury now. He's fresh. He's not going to be tired in the summer. And he has been impressing more, in my opinion. Yeah, if that was what came into contention for the squads, you know, I've talked about before, if it's, it's players on form, then somebody like Gakpo will be there. But it's not It's not based on, on players that are on form as much as De Beer would want to say it is. It's based on players that De Beer likes and players that he's he's worked with before. And just before a major tournament, is De Beer going to pick someone that he's not seen in, in action himself in his own training ground and not seen with his own players this close to a tournament? Can't see it. Um, I think he'll use again. The under twenty-one euros is coming up. I know that they're they're separate, yeah. so it could be a case that everyone's get knocked out straight away by France, and then all those players are are available. Um, but yeah, he'll use that as an excuse that Gakpo was doing so well for them, so he doesn't want to take him take him away from the under twenty-ones um, sort of thing. And I think that the only thing Gakpo can do between now and the end of the season is keep performing and keep scoring goals. Then maybe he comes into contention, but right at the moment, if you you know you put a gun to my head and said who's going to be in that squad, I would say that that promise even Bergvine and Stengs are are ahead of Gakpo at the moment in the pecking order. I say that Gakpo and Lang are the sort of two that are wanting to get the the attention, but you know they probably won't get it from De Boer until they do something utterly incredible. You know, you no know, Lang. Up until the the squad was announced last time, he was banging in goal left, right, and centre. He yeah. still didn't get any recognition. So yeah, that just shows the bird doesn't really look at who's in form. He looks at 
who he likes and who he knows fits in well with the squad. And I just can't see Gakpo getting it, even if he does deserve it. So that, that was that was a sort of dissection of the attacking options. And if you're listening to this thinking, what about this person? What about this person? Or if, if, if you have your own choices, who would you take as like your sort of seven forward players for the tournament? Do comment them um, down below and let us know who you would choose in Evans' squad. And, and I'd say that's probably the longest conversation we'll have about the entire squad, Mike, because if you look at the rest of it, um, hopefully if I'm scrolling up, it'll show you the goalkeeper, defenders and midfielders. Is there anyone there who you're, you're worried about in, in the squad? Are you still worried, thinking, oh, I'm not really sure they should be in there? Um, or is there anyone you think is sorely missing from the squad for midfield, defence and goalkeepers that you're thinking, yeah, they should really be in there? I mean, Coke Miners is someone who I want to see in the squad, but isn't sort of like, oh, yeah, he absolutely must be in there over Vine Alden. You know what I mean? So, like, there's no one that I think is missing that sorely, unless I'm being completely blind to this. But there's two two right backs. Um, I think that the right backs will be between Dumfries being first choice and then either Karsdorp or um, uh, Hartaburg or Tater for the, the second right back spot. And that, again, that's not a really important position. Then if Dumfries is going to get the first choice for that. The left back could be Vindal now. But it depends whether David Blint's back. depends if Van Dijk's back for centre-back options. But yeah, anyway, um, over to you, Mike. Who do you think's missing? So if you're going to defence, then yeah, I think you're right that you know Tete is one that could come out there, um, and Hatterbur or or Karsdorp. I think Karsdorp's doing doing really well for Roma at the moment, but I think yeah, yeah, if Hatterbur yeah, yeah. comes back for for Atalanta, I think he's injured at the moment. But if he comes back, then he might sneak in there. It might be him and Dumfries for left back. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna find out because um, Blind's not going to be there. You know, he's saying that he'll he might come back in time for the Euros, but if he doesn't play again for Ajax, would you really pick him? Um, I think De Bruyne wins definitely if you know if he can kick a ball, and he might be available for the, the latter stages. Then I think De Bruyne would take him. Same way with Van Dijk, it's a risk. Um, so I can see Van Dijk taking that slot. You know the, the players that are missing are the the obvious ones. You know I, I can't see St. Just to be in there, so I can see De Bruyne and and Aki in there. You know it's it's tough because you know UEFA hasn't confirmed it yet. Um, whether they're going to expand the squads to. You know, 26, 27 men, then you know more people sneak in. But yeah, if it's yeah. a 23 man squad, then it's it's very difficult for some of these players to get in. So I can even see even Veltman, you know, falling away if De Vrij and um, Aki are available again. And then you've got to look at is, is Big Virgil going to be in there? Is he going to be back in time? If he is, then yeah, he will be in there. Um, so yes, yeah, it's, it's going to be. You know, defense is one that I'm least worried about because I think there's, he's got he's got options where Frank. Yeah, there's quality so, players there, aren't there? They just yeah. need to perform, basically. Mm. Yeah, so you know, De Vrij is one that was was missing from the the last squad. I think mm. we could have used him against Turkey. I think him him being missing was a a big loss. Um, Aki as well. I think that he's he's a quality third centre back to have if you if it's delicting De Vrij. As a centre back pair, and I'm very happy with that with Aki off the bench. But you know, yeah. obviously, yeah. I want Virgil there. But yeah, De Vrij is a, a quality stand-in for him, so I'm happy with, with that. You know, Inter are doing great at the top of Serie A; they're going to win that. So you know, De Vrij is going into that tournament with a, a lot of confidence. So yeah, defence is not really where I'm, I'm worried about. Same, yeah. Like if you have possibly Van Dijk, but De Ligt, De Vrij, Ake. Veltman, perhaps he's had a good season at Brighton. Then you start to think about players who are going to be 
uh, utility players who Veltman could play centre back, right back, and also this season left back. So you probably will get in because of that. Then you'll see like someone like Van Arnholt drop out because he won't be the first choice left back, and he's not versatile enough to play centre back. So therefore, you would say that his position's at risk too. If injuries persist and there is a twenty-three man squad, then someone like him might be picked. Probably we'll see a few changes there though, but only upgrades, if anything, are obvious upgrades. Goalkeepers shouldn't be a massive concern. And to be honest with you, the way that Kellenberg's been playing for Ajax, I wouldn't be too concerned if he starts games for the Netherlands. But um, I think that the, the normal choice would be back there, Jasper Sillison. And then midfield, I mean, there's only six options in the, in the last squad. Probably about the same again this time. You've got two players for each position in that midfield. Um, yeah, Frank De Jong is the key man, isn't he? He's going to be the one that Netherlands have to rely upon to, to start start off chances. And then you've got Martin Dodoin for the bigger games. The defensive midfielder is going to break at the play. I think he's really important in there. Um, then then you're looking at Wijnaldum is going to be in there just because of his reputation. He's been okay, but could, could do better. David Clarkson has actually been playing pretty well for Ajax. He has to be there now. So there's two players left. I'm thinking Van der Beek might drop out because he hasn't been playing for Man United. But again, he seems to still get in there every time now. And Ryan Havenberg, he's been playing quite well for Ajax. But he's a bit of a risky player and he's quite young. And yet Frank de Boer's taken that risk, which is interesting because he's taken it on him, but not on other players. So does anyone else you would add in that midfield, Mike, and anyone you see dropping out? Yeah, I think that, you know... They're pretty set with the, the midfield choices. I think that you know that's the group. And then if anyone's going to drop out, it's going to be Ravenberg. I can't see. You know, David Clarkson is a player that could be up and down. Um, I think you know the midweek game against Roma, he barely touched the ball. Um, you know, but he scores. So you, that's the thing. He doesn't really get involved, but he's always there to pick up little chances and, and score goals in, in crucial games. He got that great goal against Turkey. Um, when he came off the bench, I think it's just a good option to have in there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you're looking at someone to to replace Gravenberg, it would be it'd be Coop Miners or then you look down the options, there's not very many about. You know, you've got Valhena was in the last squad announcement, he's not gonna get in there. Um Strutman, God no. Um <laughs> then you're looking at players like Jordy Shooting or or Leroy Fair, you know, these players that you know just wouldn't say it's an upgrade on any of these ones. The only ones that would be an upgrade would be somebody like Coop Miners, who's, you know, you'd need to play at his best to be an upgrade on any of these, these players. So, yeah, I think now that midfield six is pretty pretty set because there's not very very many. There's not anyone that's jumping out to me right now that I'm going, oh, he really needs to to be in there if he was performing between now and the end of the season because this isn't very many about at the moment. You know, Joey Veerman, you know, you always get people saying, oh, Joey Veerman is great, he's great, but he's, he's not going to come into the Netherlands squad now. He's he's not that much yeah. yet. So, you know, he could be an option in a couple of years once he gets a move, but, you know, not now. Um, so, yeah, I think that six is is pretty set. But a good quality six and probably the strongest area of the squad at the moment because of the lack of fit defenders. Now, if I just start sharing my screen a second and I come back into the stream. There we go. So at the moment, are you pretty satisfied with, with with the squad as a whole, Mike? Despite the couple of changes that Frank Lewis should make to his squad, but but, but hasn't been, um, are you satisfied with with the options when the players are fit and back in the squad? Yeah, I think that if the the players that come back fit, 
for the defense and especially that will solidify you know you want to see that I, d- I don't think that the the loss against Turkey might have happened if it was De Vrij in there and you know, Aki was there and, and Virgil was there I think that that defeat wouldn't have happened as, as bad as it did um, so I think they shore up that, that defense and you know midfield's pretty set you know I can see Frankie start alongside by now done with with Klassen in the ten and then swapping in Darun. That's just what I can see see happening. And then, you know, Kravenberg and, and Van der Beek options off the bench. The, the only area that you know if you can't say you're you're hundred percent satisfied with is the attack because apart from from Memphis, there, there isn't really anyone that's on on form. And uh, Malin's on form, but you know, some of the options like De Jong, Babo, and um, Bergvine. You know, Berghaus is is a foreign player for Feyenoord and he did well for the Netherlands. So I think he will be there as well. But, you know, you just need these players to step it up between now and the, the Euros. Because if the Netherlands come up against France or, or Belgium, do I think that Steven Berghaus is going to hurt them? No, I don't. I don't think he's that, that quality player that they need to really trouble these players. Mm-hmm. I think they need players with pace. That's why I think that somebody like Noah Lang or... Even a Dan Juma, somebody that's got a bit about him that will t- pick up the ball and run at someone is is going to be so crucial. Gakpo as well. These players can can take it up and, and run and shoot. Not somebody that's going to cut inside and then look backwards and then you know, try and put it across. It's not not great. Um, so I think these type of players, you know, you got Memphis, you got somebody that's a bit different that can pick up a ball and just run with. It. But other than that, you know, Bergvine, Berghaus, Babel, um, De Jong just screamed to me that these players aren't good enough for a, a nation that wants to win the tournament if I'm going to compare them against the the other favourites. Um, so, yeah, that's the only area of the squad that, that worries me at the moment. But, you know, who knows, it could be totally wrong and that, that attack might work out absolutely perfectly at the tournament. But just right now, in the games that we've just seen as well, I just can't see it. You know, they're struggling to score goals until that second yeah. half against Gibraltar. Um, so, yeah, that, that's the only areas of concern for me. I think with um, Berghaus, I I think that against Ukraine, Austria, North Macedonia, he's not a bad option because there there aren't many better options at the moment. He he he, he is someone who puts crosses into the box, and De Boer, I'm afraid it, he's probably going to pick Luke De Jong now, and 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 you've got to play to that kind of strength. If you're going to play that striker, Berghaus is the perfect winger to have. But if you are going to go pace against some of the bigger teams, France, Belgium, like you mentioned there, I wonder whether De Boer is going to switch that out, actually, and say, we've been playing against all of his weaker teams, the likes of De Jong, Berkhaus, but now I want to go pace. I want to go Memphis, Marlon, and one of the other options that are in the squad and see whether that wins the match. That might be his approach. Maybe he wants to keep some cards close to his chest. We haven't seen him do this too often, but... When Ronald Koeman was playing France, he had the three pacey players up top with Vinealdum helping out. And it was really dangerous, really threatening and really exciting to watch. De Boer might go back to that. But going ahead to the tournament, you know, I'm asked like about, about the Netherlands and they go, oh, but Frank De Boer's a manager, isn't he? And, and, it's, and, and we, we've been critical of him enough on this podcast that, that he's not the right person to lead the Netherlands into a European competition. What's your opinion right now, Lamite, of, of De Boer? Is he going to be that pivotal to their chance at the Euros? I try and tell myself that it won't matter because the squad unity is going to be there with the players he's chosen and they all want to win the Euros and not going to not perform. 
So surely that it doesn't matter who the manager is. They want to go out and win. Yeah, I think that the the argument that a coach doesn't doesn't matter um, can be there at times if you've got the right players. You know, if you you put anyone in charge of Barcelona, if they've got Lionel Messi on on fire, then maybe they're going to beat teams. But mm. for me, you know, it depends who's on the pitch and possibly Netherlands' most important player and leader isn't going to be there. So for me, I think that Virgil van Dijk would be a second leader on the pitch. He'd be shouting at everyone, he'd be making things happen. I don't see that from, from Wijnaldum when he's got the captain's armband. I didn't see it in any of the games that we just witnessed. I didn't think he was, you know, he was invisible for most of the games and he's he's the captain now. So, yeah. Um, so having that leadership on the pitch isn't going to be there without, without Virgil. You know, Memphis gets involved. He's fiery. I don't know why he's not got the, the captain's armband. For me, I'd, I'd put him in charge because at least he'll G up the players and he's probably the one that's mm-hmm. going to be the most motivated to to go to the Euros and try and get the, the tournament win. Um, but yeah, you, you'd say that it doesn't really matter because no one's having an easy grip. But look what happened to Germany against North Macedonia. They lost. Um, Ukraine can trouble teams. I think they recently drew with, I think it was France. Um, away from home, I think they can trouble teams. And you know, Austria have some decent players that, if you know, Netherlands aren't concentrating enough, that they could, uh, they could, they could beat them. You know, it's the, I think it's the top three from each group that go through, or the top two and some of the top best. Two, top two, and then it's going to be four of the six teams finishing third that go through. Yes, yeah, so, you know, Netherlands are playing all the games at home. You'd, you'd expect them to at least get through the group, um, but then it's going to come down to tactical management against one of the bigger nations. Yeah. And yeah. is the going to be able to do that? Um, you could argue that, you know, when he played Italy, he changed it up to a 5-3-2 and he went tactical total to total with them. Um, so he showed a bit of it there. But he needs to do that more. And then, you know, if you're putting De Boer up against France, you know, what's he going to do to trouble France? You know, in my head, if I was... Guessing what you'd do is you would sit back with a, a 5-3-2 and try and hit on counter. Um, but yeah, we'll see how they turn it. But right now, I'd say that I still stick to Netherlands will get to the quarterfinals and struggle um, to get past that stage just because I don't have faith in De Boer to have that tactical nous to to go up against one of the, the top teams like a, a Louis van Gaal had or a, a Ronald Koeman because I think Barcelona fans are now seeing that, that Koeman is actually a good coach because I know he was criticised a lot at the start yeah. of yeah. His reign in, in charge of Barcelona, but you know that's that's a club that had so many problems when he took over, and now he's starting to turn it around. And they just won the cup yesterday. You see how Frankie De Jong was playing yesterday in the cup cup final. He got a goal and two assists, and he was absolutely fantastic. You know that's what the Frankie De Jong now wants to see play for Netherlands. But we just had three games where we didn't see Frankie De Jong once perform. So yes, yeah, I think it does come down to a bit of coaching and, and how they can raise the players up. I think Koeman was perfect for that. I think Louis van Gaal was perfect for doing that little tactical yeah. switches, like the goalkeeper switch, which was, was perfect. I, I just can't see anything like that from De Boer. I think he'll just be 4-3-3. You know, if his tactics don't work, he'll just try and throw substitutes on like Ryan Babel and, and De Jong and try and hit the big man. So that's what I can see from him and uh, I don't think it's going to work. Then rightly so, can be critical of De Bruyne. We we need to see him make some interesting tactical switches in, in games. And let's see what happens. 
Now, before we finish our podcast, we're going to talk about the relegation battle in the Eredivisie. But before anyone who is a Netherlands fan goes, a few things to remind you about. We've still got the football down your wristbands you can get. Um, they're like this. And they are to help support the Netherlands at the Euros, but also support what we do at Football Daniel. We've been making little improvements recently and we can't do that without your support. So please do support us if you can and get yourself a Football Daniel wristband. Thank you very much if you've, if you've already got one um, and you're enjoying it already. Now, a um, couple more things too. Next a weekend, in a week from this when this is recorded, we'll be doing a special Euros preview podcast where we'll be looking at all of the teams in the competition and predicting the winner of the competition. We've got guests coming on the podcast who are special, who have a speciality in all these different leagues and countries, and they're going to give their points of view as to which teams will get out of the different groups. Um, Mike is also going to be doing the Netherlands one too, so he'll be letting you know whether he thinks they'll be getting through their group. Um, Ukraine, Austria, and North Macedonia are going to be three tough, op- tough opponents. They're all ranked within the top 30. The Netherlands are only 16th themselves, I believe. Um, and Ukraine, I'm told already, are actually like a, a massive threat to win the group. And it could be a serious match in their hands, and it could be one of those big games already in the Euros uh, when the Ukraine play the Netherlands. Um, and Austria, I'm told already, um, are on the way down and perhaps might not have too much of a chance this competition. And North Macedonia, North Macedonia, the Netherlands have got to go and beat them despite them beating Germany. And um, yeah, so that that is coming up a week from now. And there's also lots more coming up with um, preview it, previews of the games for the group. Um, so plenty more to come on Football Anya. Now, Mike, just before we go, we need to talk about the Eredivisie relegation battle. There's been so much going on with it recently that um, it's been hard to keep up with. And there's been so many switches and changes of teams sort of hovering above the bottom three and then dropping into it. But the biggest story, Emin, they're nearly on the way out. Unbelievable. Yeah, I think turn of the year we're all going to say that Emin are, are doomed and they're definitely on the way down. And yeah, they've, they've worked a miracle over the past couple of months to get themselves in contention to maybe escape. And mm. yeah, if you're looking for a form team down there, that they're definitely the one. It's going to be a, a tight battle between now and the, the end of the season who to see who does end up in that second automatic relegation spot. Because I think we can all say now that Ardo are down. are doomed. You know they're they're awful mm. and they deserve it. Um, yeah. So, you know it's a club that I say they deserve it, but it's a club that's going through big issues off the pitch with their with their owners, and it's just a club that's it's suffered with injuries as well. I think you know he brought in Dal Yan Matt, and then for him to get injured straight away wasn't wasn't great. Um, but yeah, they just they, they signed too many players that just didn't fit, and you know. Going with Pardew last year, and they deserved to go down last year, and they managed to to stay up. And then, yeah, this year they've just been the same, um, really poor. They bring in t- player after player after player, and none of them work. So it's just a club that I think that needs to go down, needs to to refresh themselves, and then come back up and see if they can. Like FC Twenty did. Yeah, they need to, uh, a restart, and I think that relegation might be the best thing, best thing for them. Um, yeah. But yeah, between the rest of them, it's it's going to be a, a big battle down there. You know, you've got Veve Vey in there who are on the side, even if Jackie Marcus is, is scoring goals. Um, I think that other than him, their, their side's pretty awful. So they can get dragged into it. And Willem Tway as well just can't seem to, to pull themselves away. And then you've got RKC who could also get pulled in. So yeah, it's going to be a, a tight battle between now and the end of the season. It could be any one of them, really. Um, mm. But if I had to pick one now, I'd probably say Vey 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 are going to be the, the second bottom 
for me. Um, and then I can see Emin getting the, the third bottom one. I can't see them escaping totally. I can see them maybe getting through the, the playoffs. The way that Villain Tobin playing, though, they, they, they surely will go back into the bottom three because they, they seem to have turned a corner and we're getting ourselves out of trouble. But the defensively, they're so poor and they're conceding goals left, right and centre. They're losing games quite heavily now. And players are angry. The manager's really disappointed. He shows them the touchline. You think, oh, he's passionate. But then in post-match interviews, he just slates his and all of his players. And that's not a way of managing the situation. That They're, they're, they're going to go down at the moment with the way that they're playing. And Emin on the way out, having not won a game, I think it was, uh, goodness me, I think it was, was it February? And, 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 and now they're, they're in seven games. They've won four and drawn three. It's incredible. They've got some decent fixtures left to go, some good games at home that they can win. They've got to win those, though. They're not out of trouble yet. You know, they've got to dig the way out still. But even getting the playoffs, if you're a form team going into the relegation playoffs, you can survive. The players look a bit different this year. I mean, you can find it online um, what it might look like. But basically, the Dutch second tier, you're going to have the top two teams come up. Cumber have already been promoted and look like going to be a good team in the Odebezi next season. Second place could be De Kafskarp. We'll see those yet to see what happens. You've got third playing eighth, uh, fourth playing seventh, uh, fifth playing sixth. And I think that Fifth, the winner fifth and sixth plays the team from the area of Z who's going down. And then it's the winner of third v eighth, fourth v seventh play each other. And then it's the winner of those two teams. And if you kept up with that, you deserve a medal. It's really complicated, but I, mm. I finally figured it out. <laughs> and uh, the playoffs are, are streamlined this season, so there's no um, home and away leg. It's just one, one fixture for each one to make it quicker. Um, and, and, and crucially, yeah, it's gonna it's it's only I say two matches for the Eredivisie team to get through to stay up, which is a bit different to last time. A lot of the teams in the Eredivisie just went down going into the playoffs. As I say, I think if it's Emmen going into it, I think they'll get away out of it because they're on the way up. Whereas Villanueva, I think if they end up in there, they're going to go down because the teams are just desperate to come up from the second tier. It's not exactly have many ch chances to do so. But having the two direct promotion relegation places is a massive step forward for the Eredivisie. We talked about um, the Beneliga. Don't want that to happen. Neither of us. Although, it's interestingly, a bit off topic, put it on Twitter and more people were for it than against it at the moment. Um, and a few people, of course, are undecided. But yeah, uh, and away from that front, the area of is, is it, it needs to improve its quality. And, and the, by having two teams come up directly, um, that improves the quality already because you're losing Arden Haag and Vodafone Venlo have lost 10 games in the spin and they're relying upon the goals of a striker. Um, and you're replacing with Kamba, who are full of goals. And the second place is automatically going to be stronger, you'd think, even than Veve Ve Venlo. So it's the right step forward. And um, yeah, like I say, I think I think AKC got some tricky fixtures, but I think I'll stay up. And I'm hoping that Emma can get that last survival spot. I'm trying to remain impartial, of course. I think that Villanueva is just a massive shame if they go down after the season they had last season. Yeah, I think they've got some, some winnable games coming up there. I'm just looking at Villanueva's fixtures. They've got RKC mm -hmm. next Friday. I think if win that one, it would be huge. Then, you know, they've got Utrecht away, PSV at home, you know, you could lose them. But then they've got two, you know, crucial games away against Adrod and Hag, who will probably be, be relegated by that point. And then yeah. home yeah. against Fortuna on the end of the end of the season. So that's three winnable games for Villanueva between now and the end of the season. That you know, You're looking at nine points, so that would be probably enough for them to to stay up. So I, I'd still stick with Villain Twist staying up. If, as long as you win that game, 
next week against RKC. And there, there's many fixtures to go there. You, could you get a massive twist? And Arden might stay up, unlikely as it is. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it is going to be between those four, te- those four teams, though, whoever goes down. Um, and yeah, the, the Kuken Campy and Divisi playoffs are going to be massive this season. I mean, it's going to be really exciting to see who comes up. Now, I think that's it for, for this, this, this podcast this time. It's gone really quick, this 50 minutes, at least has for me recording it with Mike. And. Um, Thank you for watching if you've been watching live. Thank you for watching if you've been watching after we've gone live and you're watching this a few days after. Regardless, give us a comment. What did you think of today's podcast? But more crucially, what did you think about the Netherlands um, squad choices that we were going through? Do you agree with what we were saying or do you completely disagree? Do you back Frank de Boer to make the right choices? Or do you think there's someone we've completely forgotten? Send us over your complete 23-man squad, let's say, in the comments. Or if you want to just send us a few choices, let me know who you'd put in the forward line. Who would your strikers and wingers be that will go to the Euros in your 23-man squad? Which seven forwards would you choose? Um, before we go, we've got one more comment from someone watching live. Thank you very much for, uh, for saying you'll get a wristband. Look forward to sending in your order really, really soon. And get yourself your own football down your wristband. Um, before we go, don't forget we're doing plenty more to do with the Euros coming up in the next few weeks on Football Dania. And if you haven't watched it yet, go and watch our interview with Charlie Setford. He's an Ajax um, goalkeeper from their academy. He's English. He's coming through their ranks. Um, make sure you hear what he's got to say. He was saying that David Klaassen was the most welcoming player in the squad, um, Ajax. And he's been training with all these Dutch legends uh, in the academy. They're all coaches for him. And he was speaking about that and having Martin Stekellenberg with him in training. So yeah, he was, um, he was saying all sorts of good stuff. So go and check that out if you haven't already. Now then, um, please do like this podcast if you're listening to it on SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube. Um, leave us a comment, letting us know what you thought. And yeah, we'll be do, doing more stuff like this very, very soon. Next weekend is the big Euro preview podcast. So for me and Mike, it's goodbye for now. Goodbye.